Be sure to get down, good Lord, with the two idiots talking sports. Strictly, man, they just play around, cover much ground, talk about the best pound for pound. It's Z to AC, DC to Cali. You can't get them out of your mind, no. They talk about the sports all the time. Welcome to Two Idiots Talking Sports. I'm your host, Alex. Potting solo again today. Today we're going to break down what happened in the NBA Finals and the Warriors uh, on the verge of completely taking over the NBA. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about what it means for every other team in the NBA and the fallout of these finals, which will surely have a huge impact in the league, both this offseason and the future to come. So we are recording this on a Wednesday. Finals ended two days ago. Warriors beating the Cavs in five. And as everyone has already said, it's just tran- it's very transparent that the Warriors were just better. They're just more talented an historic 16-1 and run. Uh, looking at the finals, I mean, Kevin Durant was unstoppable. He was incredible. Going for, his stats were out of a video game. 35 points a game. 35 points a game, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.5 blocks. He shot 56% from the field, 47% from 3. Those numbers are astronomical. And it was clear watching him play that he was just determined, a man possessed, and could not be stopped. The Cavs couldn't stop him. And LeBron was on him most of the series. And Durant still just kind of had his way with the Cavaliers. Uh, also overshadowed was Curry, who had a ridiculous series as well. No one's even talking about Curry. And he had 27 points a game, 9.5 assists, staggering eight rebounds a game, which to me was the weirdest storyline of the playoffs, or the finals was Curry just out-rebounding almost the entire Cavaliers team every night. But looking at it, it's just it's just obvious that with the Warriors, the Warriors, and this is going to kind of be the theme of the podcast, is the Warriors have two superstars, which a superstar I equate to an MVP candidate, someone who's either won the MVP or someone who could win an MVP. And Curry and Westbrook, uh, not Westbrook, Curry and Durant are two former MVPs. They also, obviously, with Thompson and Draymond, those are two all-stars. And when you look at Cleveland, it was LeBron, who's a superstar, and then they had Kyrie and Love, who are two all-stars. And it's just a numbers game. Two superstars, two all-stars is better than one superstar and two all-stars. The cat. I mean, LeBron had to do everything and would get exhausted. Kyrie was great offensively. He, str- he struggled in games one and two, came on big second half of the series. Game three was really the turning point, kind of devastating. That uh, I think it was the Warriors who finished on an 11-0 run, which was was just a back like backbreaking series-ending game. The series was won in game three, although it's pretty evident that even if the Cavs had won that series, I think the Warriors still were going to win. Credit to the bench of the Warriors. You know, Iguodala was great. The death lineup continues and still remains to be amazing. Uh, Livingston, JaVale was good. McCaw was good, especially in Game 5. You know, and, the, and for the Cavs, it, LeBron trying to guard KD, 
not very successfully. Trying to do everything on offense. Kyrie, it was basically LeBron would go to the rim or Kyrie would go to the rim. And they'd get hot for a quarter, and that was great. But no one on Cleveland could generate their own shot between those two and maybe JR who would catch and shoot and Love who would catch and shoot. But no one else on their team could get anything going. I mean, James had 33 a game, Kyrie 29. Love played really well early in the series at 16 and 11. And James, and the next guy had six points. They just had no one else to put the ball in the rim. Meanwhile, the Warriors had one of four guys who could go off at any point. You know, Iguodala had a huge game five. And they, it was just so much easier for the Warriors to get going. So much easier for them to score. And when you looked at the Cavs, everything looked so draining. LeBron, like, just putting everything on his back and would look amazing. And then by the halfway through the second quarter, he'd be like, oh, LeBron's gassed. Then Kyrie would kind of take over and keep it close. And then in the second half, the Warriors would just pull away because they're deeper and they're better and their bench is better. I thought... Cleveland's bench was terrible. Terrible. Cleveland's best player off the bench was a 36-year-old Richard Jefferson. Corver, one of their big pickups this season, was awful. Deron Williams looked like he didn't even belong in the league for most of the series, which is harsh. I mean, he's not that bad, but he was terrible. Shumpert looked lost. I think Shumpert had five minutes of meaningful basketball in the finals. And they just said no one. They'd go to the bench. LeBron, whenever, you know, this, I forget what the stat was. Whenever LeBron went to the bench, they were outscored by like 30 points or something. And they were like in the positive when he was on the court. So just a lack of bench, a lack of guys who could create their own shot. Too much iso ball. You know, my buddy Zach, who's a huge Warriors fan, he says, you watch the Warriors and he's biased, but it's just team basketball. They move the ball and it's unselfish. And you watch the Cavs, and it's LeBron's turn, it's Kyrie's turn, and you can't do that sustained over a seven-game series against a team like the Warriors, who are easily the best team in the league in the last 20 years, and it's not even close. So that's really my only thoughts on the finals because it was so one-sided, Durant being amazing, Curry, no one talking about Curry being amazing. You know, Kerr, I'm happy for Kerr. You know, I'm not a Warriors fan. I find myself being happy for Durant, even though, you know, he's getting killed for signing there all year. I, I, felt I was happy when he won. Happy for him. I liked all the post-game stuff with him. And I love Kerr, although I'm pretty confident that myself could coach, you know, I could coach the Warriors to a 50-win season. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Kerr. Kerr's an amazing guy, amazing coach. But I don't know how hard that job is, although I'm sure it's harder than I think. So, what I really want to talk about is what is going to happen next. Because what I've been saying, especially on Twitter, is that the league is basically over. The Warriors, who are locked in, I mean, Curry is 28. Kevin Durant is 28. Clay is 26. Draymond is 26. These guys have four all-star slash superstars in their prime, which has never happened for a team to be this good and this young. 
And so Duran is a free agent. Curry is a free agent this year. Or Duran could opt out, which he probably will. But neither of them will leave. Assuming they both re-up, which they will. They have those four under contract for the next two years. You know, assuming that Durant and Curry sign long-term. So let's say they sign long-term. Next year and the year after next, Durant, Thompson, Green, Curry are all locked up. They are a million percent winning the finals the next two years. Right now, we could just fast-forward two years. The Warriors are the NBA champs. Three-peating. On top of that, Durant has said that he might take less money to help re-sign Clay. And if they re-sign Clay, this is three years from now. I mean, Durant and Curry would only be 31. Clay and Draymond would still be in their 20s. You could chalk them up again for another. For, so they could win the next three, making it four in a row. Five in six years. I mean, this is about to embark on an all-time dynasty run. Because the league is just so far away. They are so good at and so young. And, the, and them moving to a new arena, they're going to be printing money. They're already printing money. And they're about to move to this brand new arena. You know, it's Silicon Valley. The money is just ridiculous. And I think they're going to be able to keep all four of them. I don't know. I mean, I think Clay is going to... Clay will be interesting. I mean, Draymond's under contract for three more years. And who knows what, you know, after that. We'll see. Curry's been underpaid the last couple of years. He signed a $44 million deal. So I expect to see him, you know, he's probably going to take what he could get and he deserves it. What will be interesting to see is what happens to their bench. Because Iguodala is a free agent. Everyone, basically, everyone's a free agent, um, besides some of their rookie young guys and Draymond and Thompson. They could actually, you know, Iguodala could go out in free agency this year and get paid because he does what the modern NBA is. He defends multiple positions. He could shoot a little. He plays his ass off. He's a veteran. But if they could afford him, you know, I don't know how this works with signing Curry and Durant this offseason. But I could also see Iguodala taking less money and just signing a two-year deal until Clay's a free agent, and then they'd have to let him go. I don't know if Iguodala would do that. It'd be interesting. If I was Iguodala, I'd do it. Instead of, like, he's already made a ton of money in his career, so turn down probably an extra $30 million to, to just be on the Warriors for two more years and win two more championships and be on the best team in the last couple decades. I think Livingston is gone. I'm sure they'll re-sign, re-sign Zaza for nothing. And then they're going to have veterans just lining up to play for him. Who wouldn't want to just win a ring over the next two to four years? So they'll get guys like West and David West and other guys who will just play for the league minimum and take price cuts just so they could fill out their bench. So that will be interesting. But I think over guaranteed the next two, probably the next three, and also they'll be in it for the fourth. And who knows after that? So now that we're about to enter this Game of Thrones type scenario where winter is coming for the rest of the league and the Warriors are just about to dominate everyone, what does this mean for your team? Okay, so I've made rankings, not rankings, but 
categorize where the rest of the league falls during this stretch. So without much waiting, we'll just jump right in. First category, too bad to talk about. Brooklyn, Orlando are both terrible with no young talent or no direction. Hornets are capped out to a 35-win team. The next category, rebuilding at the right time. These teams have some young pieces. They don't have anything close to building a core of a young team, but they have pieces. Dallas, Barnes and Noel, they have the ninth pick in a really good draft. If they could find another starter, that's three out of five positions that are going to be young. They're, you know, they're not going to be good for a few years. They're in a good spot. Kings are in a similar position. They got a bunch of young guys. They got two draft picks in this lottery. They're going to have four or five young players under the age of 24. They're not looking to compete in the next two to four years anyway, so whatever. The Knicks, who should probably be in the too bad to talk about category, they're bad in a time that's good to be bad, and they have Perzingis, which is the only thing that keeps them out of the too bad to talk about column. They have the eighth pick, assuming they get someone who could be good, maybe Malik Monk, who turns into like a star, which is wishful thinking, I think. They'll have two of five pieces. They're going to keep running the triangle, which means they'll keep getting lottery picks. They're going to be acquiring draft picks until Phil steps down, or they don't retain Phil. So that's the rebuilding at the right time. The next column, or the next category, blowing it up. Teams that should blow it up. Atlanta. Competitive now, you know, 45-win team. They got a Dwight Howard problem. Millsap is 32. They should get rid of both of them and just focus on Schroeder. I thought Prince looked really good in the playoffs. They're both only 23. Maybe re-sign Tim Hardaway, 25. They could do that. Maybe those guys peak in three years. Warriors are now, you know, one, four out of five, four out of the last, or five out of the last six championships. Maybe they're slowing down a little. That's a better direction than re-signing Millsap to a huge deal. Chicago, just move Jimmy Butler. I don't know what they're doing. The Pistons, blow it up, please. You know, it's sad because I liked this team a year ago. Pacers, George wants out. Larry Bird just stepped down. They're almost in the too bad to talk about category. I don't know what the Pacers are going to do. So those four teams are competitive, but in the scheme of things suck and should just blow it up and get into the rebuilding at the right time category because... There's nothing worse than just being fringe playoff team, especially where even if you make it to the second or third round, you're going to get swept, much less anything to touch the Warriors. Okay, our next category, getting better. The good enough for second round, never more category. We've got the Clippers. I don't know what the Clippers are going to do. You know, they've never been healthy enough. Chris Paul is 32, free agent. Blake is 28, is going to be a free agent. DeAndre is 28 and can opt out of his contract in a year. They've talked about bringing him back. I'm sure Doc Rivers wants to bring him back and probably will. But even if they do, I don't know if they're even more than a second-round team. Maybe one year that it all comes together to them, for them, they go to the finals or the Western Conference finals and they lose in five to the Warriors. So they're screwed. Memphis, screwed. They're capped out now. And, you know, I love Marcus Gasol. I love Conley. They'll win 
50 games and never, ever compete for anything more than maybe the second round. Miami, they're destined to sign a big-name player this offseason, whether it's Gallinari or Hayward. And even if they do that, then they got Whiteside, they got Drogic. That will win 50 games a year in the East, get them to the second round and lose to Cleveland or whoever. Pelicans, if Boogie stays, which is still very much on the table. He's a free agent at the end of the next season, not this year. They have two blue chip prospects who could be superstars. Anthony Davis is going to be a superstar, already is. Boogie is a fringe superstar, all-star. They have no one else. I'd love to see Chris Paul sign there. Maybe they land another all-star. One superstar and two all-stars is still not enough to compete with the Warriors. If Even if everything went right for them over the next two years, they're still nowhere near the Warriors. So their next three to four years, they're done. OKC is, is what they... I don't know how Oklahoma City gets better. Maybe they land Blake. They're far away, though. I mean, they lost to Houston in five in the first round. I almost want to put them in the blow-it-up category. They should just trade Westbrook. I don't even care if he wins MVP. Because that team is not constructed. They're constructed to win a lot of games, but they'll never do anything in the playoffs. Same for the Raptors. Out of respect for DeRozan, he's on this list. DeRozan, one of the best three or four players in the East, could probably get his team to the second round most years over the next two to three years. They'll probably bring back Ibaka. Lowry's gone, or going to be gone. So they'll sign guys. They have a lot of good players, but... They can't even get back, get past Cleveland. Portland. They're stuck in the middle. They got Lillard at 26, McCollum at 25. They're both entering their prime right as the Warriors are entering their dynasty. So if they could even get out of the first round, maybe they land another star. You know, they everyone's like, oh, if they could just get another star. Even if they landed like DeAndre Jordan. Let's say DeAndre opts out. Let's say Clippers blow it up. And they landed DeAndre. They're still nowhere near the Warriors. The Jazz, who had a really nice season. I'm starting to think Gordon Hayward is leaving. All I read online is how he's infatuated with Boston, with Brad Stevens, his old college coach, or Miami, who has a max contract ready to go for him, or Gallinari, I think, are the two guys they're going to go after hard, or Blake. So I think he leaves... Even if he stays, the Jazz are no more than a second-round team who already this year got swept by the Warriors who are only going to get better as they get older and more comfortable with each other. So that's the end of that group. Then there's the fake contenders who will win 50 to 60 games every year over the next three years. This is the Houston Rockets, the only team in this category. They got one true superstar in Harden, who I love, despite how he went out in the playoffs this year, which was disgusting. They have three fringe all-stars, which is being generous, in Gordon, Ryan Anderson, and Capella. This team will crush in the regular season and regularly make it to the second round in the West and lose in five or six games. Maybe make it to the Western Conference Finals once, maybe twice over the next three to four years, only to lose to the Warriors in five, maybe six, if they get really hot. So this is my favorite category, the maybe in 2020-2021 season. So this is three to four years down the road. Maybe Klay Thompson leaves the Warriors. 
Or maybe they re-sign Clay and then Draymond goes, which I, they would never do. They pick Draymond over Clay. So this is three to four years from now. And this is if everything goes right for these teams on this list, then maybe they'll be good enough to beat the Warriors. The next, possibly the next Warriors on the horizon in the next four years. Various, various levels. The first one is the Lakers. Their 2018 pick is going to Philly, but they have the second pick in this draft. Top three pick again for the third year in a row. They'll probably take Lonzo. They got Lonzo at 19. D'Angelo Russell's 21. Ingram's 19. Randall's 22. If they're smart, they'll just be patient. You know they want superstars. And, you know, there's a lot. Paul George maybe goes there. He's 27. And might come in a year when he's a free agent. So they're going to get a 28-year-old Paul George and a bunch of teenagers. Even if they traded, you know, packaged Randall and Russell and got, let's just say, argument's sake, got Jimmy Butler. So now they have Butler and, you know, George. Lonzo's 21. Maybe Ingram turns into, they may be in a couple of years before George starts to fade. That's a lot of ifs. They should, I think, just be patient, but they won't be. They're the Lakers. They'll probably land an all-star in the next two years. George is not a superstar. Doesn't touch the Warriors, and that's if a lot of things go their way. Denver. Loaded with young pieces. Gary Harris, Juan Herman Gomez, Jokic, Moutier, who sucks, but he's only 21. Jamal Murray. All those guys are 22 or younger. If everything goes right for them and they all develop... And they just are patient. Three to four years, if those guys all start hitting their peak, that could be interesting. Jokic is going to be potentially a superstar. And I'm really in on Jamal Murray. He's young, but I think he's going to be really good. The Bucks, Greek Freak is 22. Took over the league this year. Jabari Parker is 22. Chris Middleton's only 25. The X Factor for them, Thon Maker is only 20. Brogdon's 24. In three years, it will probably be Bucks versus Warriors in the finals. That's what I would predict. Maybe two years. They're too young now. They're not ready to compete next year. But when LeBron really fades or leaves the East, which we'll talk about in a bit, then maybe the Bucks are the next one to get the flame. And if they're peaking right as the Warriors are fading, the Bucks could be the next the next one. They're my probably my favorite on this list. Timberwolves, who I liked a lot more a year ago. Towns is 21. Wiggins is 22. Levine, 22, coming off ACL. They drafted Chris Dunn last year, who's raw. They have the seventh pick in the draft this year. If they're smart, they'll take Jonathan Isaac if he's there, who, if everything comes together for them, could be blossoming into a star along with Towns, along with Wiggins. Maybe make a trade. They could be, you know, in three years, they could be the next team to kind of rival the Lakers. Philly. And B, 23. Sarge, 23. Simmons, 20. They got a lottery pick this year. They got the Lakers pick next year. Plus their own pick because they'll probably suck this year. They could be the Warriors in a couple of years. They're, stay tuned for them. They got a lot of ifs with Embiid's injury. We haven't even seen Simmons yet, although I think it'll be great. And Colangelo will probably screw it all up anyway. But if Philly just sits tight, they're kind of like a year behind the Bucks. If they just sit tight, they could be really good right as the Warriors are slowing down. 
Same for Phoenix. Booker, I mean, this team is so young. Booker is 20. Chris is 20, 19. Bender is 19. They have the fourth pick in this year's draft. I'm starting to think they should take De'Aaron Fox and just trade Bledsoe, who's 27, who will never be, never, when, when the Suns are finally ready, Bledsoe will be 30 or 31. They might as well just trade him now. I would trade him to the Pelicans. That'd be fun to see Bledsoe and the Pelicans and reuniting with Boogie. A move the Pelicans should probably look into. Phoenix has drafted another young kid. They're going to suck for a few more years, but if everything comes together for them, these guys all have pieces. The difference between these teams and the rebuilding at the right time teams is these teams have been rebuilding, but now they have a bunch of super young guys that are going to maybe be awesome, and a lot of them. So if they hit on two or three of them and then maybe flip one or two of them for another star, now all of a sudden you got two or three all-stars or superstars if everything goes their way. Probably every team I just named, maybe one of them that will happen to. But all of them have hope and have a lot more young guys than any other team in the league. So it's interesting. They're the most interesting young teams in the league. The Lakers, the Denver, Bucks, Timberwolves, Philly, Phoenix. Another team I threw in here who's kind of a tweener team is the Wizards. Wall is 26. Beal is 23. Otto, who is a free agent, restricted, who I think they'll re-sign, is 24. Some of my wizard buddies are like, they should let Otto go, you know, go after Iguodala, go after veterans now. Which makes no sense because they'll just run into the Warriors in the finals and just get smoked. Wall, though, who's a superstar now, I think, I don't know, you know, where will he be in three years? He'll be 29. He relies so much on his speed, so much on athleticism. Will he still be able to go? They're kind of in this window where if Beal propels himself to a superstar to kind of match Wall's ability, and then Otto could turn into an all-star in maybe two years, that could be something. They need to land another guy, though. They need a center. I like Markeith a lot, but Markeith in a series against the Warriors won't be good. They need another... They need to retain Otto. They need to, Otto needs to blow up. Beal needs to continue to blow up. Wall needs to hang on. And then they would need another all-star. Much less a bench and everything else they're missing. But I stuck them in this category because they're still just young enough where if things go their way, maybe. But they're on the fringe. Lastly, we have the could-be super teams these are our only hope to stopping the Warriors in the next two to four years. First is the Spurs, who just just got swept by the uh, Warriors. They have an interesting offseason because Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi is a superstar. So they got one. There's rumors that they're going to sign Chris Paul, or Chris Paul is interested in going there. I think that would be a great move. I know Chris Paul is 32, but we're talking about super teams now. These are our only hope to stop the Warriors in the next two to three years. We're not talking about all the teams we just talked about is in three to four years. If they could get Paul, and then they need to trade Aldridge and trade Pau Gasol. Because they both have huge contracts on Paul's Pau's is pretty short, but if they dump Aldridge to the Lakers, who would probably jump on that because they're looking for stars. 
I could see Magic Johnson be like, hey, sure, we'll take Aldridge as a salary dump and give him Randall and some future considerated pick. Dump Pau Gasol to the Knicks because he fits the triangle and Phil loves him. Now they have cap space. They get Paul. They could go after guys like Gordon Hayward, maybe Paul George in a year, maybe Boogie in a year. If Paul could hang on, Kawhi, another star, maybe. Maybe they could compete in 2019-2020 if Thompson leaves. But that's all that's pretty unlikely. I doubt they'll do any of that, and so they'll probably just lose in the Western Conference Finals the next two years until the Rockets pass them. Boston. Probably the most interesting. Boston, I think, is the closest team in the league to becoming a super team. Much more than the Spurs. I think it's a real likely, not likely, but it, it is a real possibility that they sign Gordon Hayward this summer. I saw something online of Gordon Hayward's wife's holding their baby and was wearing like a go green Celtics onesie. And his connection with the coach and everything else, Brad Stevens, I, I, it makes sense. They have the number one pick. They're going to take Markel Fultz, who could be a future superstar. Granted, he's 19. But if they get Fultz, they sign Hayward, and then they just go all in. They trade Smart. They could trade Jalen Brown. They could package next year Brooklyn pick and get basically every available superstar in the league. I don't know what team that knows their star they're going to lose or they're not going anywhere wouldn't jump at Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and the Brooklyn pick next year. Maybe for Paul George, Jimmy Butler. Let's say they go after Paul George. Then they have Isaiah, Fultz, Hayward, Paul George, Horford. How they manage all that, they'd have to get rid of everyone else. I don't even know if Paul George would resign, but that's a super team. Maybe they do that and they figure it out. That would be probably good enough to get by Cleveland. I don't, I don't even know if that works with the cap. I don't know how, and then they got to resign Isaiah, so maybe that none of that happens. But they have the pieces to go all in and at least make it interesting. I doubt they'll do all that, but Boston, I think, is our best hope. The other option, the last team, Cleveland. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do because LeBron knows they're not good enough. We already talked about it. They don't have enough scoring. They're not deep enough. They don't have a bench. You know, we didn't even talk about Tristan Thompson. They're completely capped out. But if they get aggressive and unload salary... You know, I think everyone's going to be available. Kyrie won't be. And then there's LeBron. But if they make Love available and could flip Love for Paul George for a year, that'd be interesting. Cleveland would be better. The Pacers would do it in a heartbeat because they know they're going to lose Paul George. And then they get at least an all-star that's locked up for the next couple of years. So they have something to show for Paul George. Cleveland could do it because LeBron could opt out or is a free agent at the end of next season. And there's lots of rumors now that he might leave, which I think is ridiculous, but there's, though that will be talked about a lot. So they could have 
Kyrie, Paul George, LeBron. That would be really interesting. I think they're going to get mellow. I don't think they could do this. If they decide to hold on to love, they could land mellow. This is what I think will happen because I don't know if they're going to move love. I don't know how desperate they are. I don't know if they're that desperate. Even though love, you know, you could argue, whatever. What they could do, though, they could trade Shumpert, Channing Fry, maybe Richard Jefferson, and a three-team trade, send some of those guys to Minnesota who are looking for veterans. And then maybe Rubio goes to New York and Melo goes to Cleveland. I mean, Melo's attainable. And he's boys with LeBron. Side note, I know Melo on the Cavs does not make the Cavs better than the Warriors. They still only have one superstar in LeBron who's now 32 or 33. Melo is 33. Kyrie's young. They still have Love. They still have Tristan Thompson. That'd be interesting. JR, they just re-signed. But that's not good enough. It's not defensive enough. Their defense sucked too. I didn't even talk about that. They're going to go after Chris Paul. I don't know how they could get him. The other side note is people are now saying that LeBron might leave in a year. And that's the other thing. That's the only other. So the Spurs, Boston, or Cleveland, if they get do something super creative and crazy. If LeBron leaves Cleveland, I think LeBron will never win a ring in Cleveland again. I think that ship has sailed. They're, you know, The Warriors are too good, and Cleveland can't bring in enough talent to make it work. Because they've signed Tristan Thompson to huge deals. They've signed JR to big deals. They've signed everyone. They just There's not enough money. Everyone's... So if LeBron sees this and is like, you know what? We got mellow. It didn't work. Screw this. I'm out. Maybe he goes to the Spurs. Joins with Kawhi. Or to LA. To join Paul George with the Lakers. And maybe the Lakers trade some guys and get another guy. And then they have Lonzo Ball and... LeBron and Ingram, who's now finally leaving puberty, and and Paul George. A lot of p- hypotheticals. I think it, the offseason will be interesting. Everyone's going to look at Cleveland. In, in what's relative to the Warriors, really the only things that matter is what Boston does or what Cleveland does. Or if the Spurs get crazy, which they won't. So basically, that's it. That's the league overview of how the how are they going to fare during the next three to four years when the Warriors win three, four, maybe five championships. I hope you enjoyed. I hope I wasn't too depressed for their whole league, but I think that's the reality. The Warriors are sick. Kevin Durant's incredible, and they're all young, and it's just it's over. So we'll keep podcasting. Zach and I are going to come back next week. We're going to do a NBA lottery preview or NBA draft preview, then potentially an NBA reaction, NBA draft reaction live from DC. Because I'll be in DC, so I might get Zach in studio, if you will. And then we're going to just jump in after the draft. We'll do a bunch of offseason stuff. We'll talk about what we think will happen, and then we'll react to all the moves. I'm still all in. I hope you guys keep listening, even though the Warriors are going to win every championship. 
but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'll get I'll get more guests on. We'll start getting Zach back on. We'll start getting uh, maybe Big Drew on if Boston does something crazier when they sign Gordon Hayward and see what his thought process is on all this. But until then, follow us at uh, the number two underscore idiots talking on Twitter. We were live tweeting a lot of the finals. That was fun. Uh, and we'll be tweeting throughout the offseason, so check us out. And uh, thanks for the listen. Spread the word, and uh, we'll be around. See ya. Be sure to get down, good Lord, with the two idiots talking sports. Strictly, man, they just play around, cover much ground, talk about the best pound for pound. It's Z to AC, DC to Cali. You can't get them out of your mind, no They talk about the sports all the time